Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Jocker's Functional Nutrition Podcast, the show designed to give you science-based solutions to improve your health and life. I'm Dr. David Jockers, doctor of natural medicine, chiropractor, and functional nutrition practitioner, and I'm the host of this podcast. I'm here to tell you that your body was created to heal itself, and on this show, we focus on strategies you can apply today to heal and function at your best. I'm excited about today's podcast, but before we jump in, I wanted to remind you to download this month's special gift at drjockersgift.com. From keto meal plans, smoothie recipes, to fasting quick start guides, we have a new complimentary gift every single month. To get your gift, simply visit drjockersgift.com. That's D-R-J-O-C-K-E-R-S-G-I-F-T.com. Thanks for spending time with me, and let's go into the show. This podcast is sponsored by Peak Tea. If you're interested in tea and you want antioxidants to fuel your body, Peak Tea is the way to go. This is something I drink on a daily basis. And it's one of my favorite companies because their teas are super pure and made with powerful concentrated superfoods. And I want to tell you about their fasting teas. Now, you guys know I'm huge on intermittent fasting for all the ways it supports my energy, digestion, and immune health. Peak makes a ginger green fasting tea that's just out of this world. And their bergamot black tea is made with bergamot from Calabria, Italy. They even have a caffeine-free cinnamon tea that my whole family loves. This is the tea that I'm mostly drinking is the cinnamon herbal fasting tea, which has burdock root, cinnamon, bergamot, and mint. Burdock's great for lymphatic system. Cinnamon is so good for blood sugar stability. These have been formulated by my friend, Dr. Jason Fung. He is the world's leading expert on intermittent fasting. So they're really incredible for curbing cravings and managing your appetite. My fasting windows just fly by. Sometimes I forget that I'm fasting at all. Even when I'm not fasting, they provide this powerful mix of antioxidants and herbs like ginger and mint that support digestion and satiety, you know, that feeling of fullness. If you ever fall victim to to a snack attack or you have cravings, I tell you, these teas are a secret weapon. I drink peak tea every day and I feel amazing. My energy, my digestion, this stuff is so much more than tea, and they have 20 different flavors. So I'm sure you can find something that you're, you enjoy. They deliver concentrated antioxidants to support healthy immunity, digestion, and weight management. They use a cutting edge cold crystallization technology that extracts the active ingredients in superfoods at their maximum potential. That's what makes them so unique. They also triple toxin screen all of their herbs to get rid of pesticides, heavy metals, and toxic molds. So you get pure benefits with no junk. I know a lot of people are concerned when it comes to tea about some of these contaminants. You can rest assured that Peak has gotten all of this stuff out of there. They also dissolve in seconds in cold or hot water. So it's easy to drink on the go. You can add them to smoothies. I mean, it's just zero prep. And they're delicious. Peak actually won three gold medals at the Global Tea Championships for their quality and their flavor. They have 15,000 five-star reviews. I mean, that's a lot. More than any tea brand in the market. They also have a 30-day satisfaction guarantee. So you either love it or your money back. So guys, go to peaktea.com slash 
Jockers, J-O-C-K-E-R-S. Go there right now. You'll get 5% off your first order. Now, Peak hardly ever offers discounts, so you don't want to miss this exclusive offer. So that's 5% off at peaktea.com slash jockers. So you just, it's spelled P-I-Q-U-E-T-E-A dot com slash jockers, my last name, J-O-C-K-E-R-S. So try that out, guys. I know that you're going to love it. Remember, Peak Tea is the T for radiant health. So this interview is a part of a series I did called the Fasting Transformation Summit. And in this summit, I interviewed the top experts in the world when it comes to intermittent and extended fasting and autophagy and self-healing. Now, these interviews were originally done in 2019, but the information is extremely relevant today. And this expert, as you will see, really has a great knowledge of this topic and will give you guys so much value. Now, if you wouldn't mind just taking a moment and leaving us a five-star review. Your reviews help us reach more people and impact more lives with this podcast. And take a moment and subscribe to our channel. That way you get instant notification every time we put up a new podcast. Thanks so much for doing that. And I'm honored to share this information with you guys. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Fasting Transformation Summit where we are uncovering the most ancient, inexpensive, and powerful healing strategy known to mankind. We're talking about fasting. And you know, in the fasting world, there's a lot of debate about how fasting impacts men and how it impacts women. And so I brought, a, I brought an expert to really talk about how fasting impacts women, particularly women as they age and uh, women over 50, because as the hormones shift and change, the way that we eat, and the way that we don't eat, right, with fasting can really impact our health. And so we've got Dr. Becky Gillaspy. Hopefully I, spell, I, I said your name right there. Gillaspy. That's okay, though. Gillaspy, yep. yep. <laughs> and, uh, and so she graduated summa cum laude with research honors from Palmer College of Chiropractic in 1991. And she's worked as an on-air health consultant for a local ABC TV affiliate and spent most of her professional career teaching a range of college courses from anatomy to nutrition. She now works full-time helping people follow their health and weight loss goals through her website and YouTube channel that has a huge following, right? You're over, how many, how many subscribers do you have on your YouTube now? That's over a quarter of a million. Yeah, you're doing fantastic, really yeah. getting this information out. So great yeah, and really honored to have you as part of this summit. Yeah, it's an honor to be here. Thank you for inviting me. For sure. And so let's start out just going through your story and how you really got into this. Yeah, well, I probably it just all started because I had such a fascination with the body just from even being young. And uh, it's a perfect design. And it really, it comes down to if we give it what it needs, it gives us what we want. Uh, and this applies at any age, but especially as we get older. Uh, muscle for, is a great example. As we get into menopause and beyond, men or women, actually, as we age, uh, Muscle mass has been shown to be one of the greatest predictors of longevity and quality of life. So, but the natural tendency of the body is to lose muscle as we age. So we have to give the body exercise so we can get the things that we want back. Uh, the same thing goes with what we're learning now with circadian rhythm and how timing of our eating uh, influences the circadian rhythm and back and forth. Yeah. So there's just that fascination that, that I don't think it's ever going to quite go away. 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm totally with you on that. And so let's talk about female hormones a little bit. And so what happens to the female body, you know, go as, as we go through the different stages, perimenopause, menopause, postmenopause, what happens there? Yeah, so the, the, for women with reproductive hormones, the ones we think of are estrogen and progesterone. And when we're in our reproductive years, we see that they have a relationship. So uh, throughout the month, monthly cycle, estrogen kind of takes a kind of a, a ebb and flow through the month, whereas progesterone is low at the, very, at the beginning. And then when ovulation hits, it spikes up. Uh, when that's how things are going when we're in our normal reproductive years. When a woman gets into her 30s and, and 40s, she starts to enter perimenopause and doesn't really realize anything is different because the only thing that's different is that she might skip ovulation every couple of months. Mm. And we don't really, ex we don't really experience in that, that in any significant symptom way. But what happens is that because we're not getting ovulation, progesterone doesn't take its jump up. Mm. So now what we have set up is a time throughout the entire month where estrogen is high, progesterone is low, and we call that estrogen dominance. And that by itself has some consequences for us with weight gain. So even before we start to really experience the outer um, signs and symptoms of menopause, we're already starting to set up some issues where it's easier to gain weight. Yeah, because estrogen really has kind of a, a growth effect on the body. It's telling it is. issues of the body to grow, and obviously weight gain would be a factor with that. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right, as it's, as it's becoming more and more dominant. And then as we move on in our age and we get closer to reaching menopause, our, the woman will experience uh, irregularities so in, in her men menstrual cycle. So she might have a very he heavy period that lasts for three weeks and then have nothing for three months. And, and as things progress, then there's a period of time over 12 months that the woman doesn't experience uh, a period at all. And then that signifies menopause. Mm. Kind of the interesting thing about menopause is it's, it's a one day event. It's, yeah. you know, you know, we, we tend, we don't tend to think of it that way. Uh, but it is by definition, the one year anniversary from your last menstrual mm. cycle. Uh, and then after that point, then a woman's has a new normal low of estrogen and, and progesterone. And that has consequences yeah. as well for, for weight gain. Um, a, a couple of things, it's been shown that low estrogen is tied with uh, low resting uh, en uh, energy expenditure, RE, RE like a, which basically means that it takes fewer calories for us to run our bodies. Mm. So your metabolism day. goes down. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, another thing that women experience is an increased propensity to put on belly fat. Mm. Uh, and that seems to be related to low estrogen. They've never really worked out the mechanism of why that works. Uh, but it's something that I, that I think most women after they've reached menopause will start to notice that uh, even if they were pear-shaped to begin with in, in life, that they have now a more of an ability to put on weight in the, in the belly. Um, and that, of course, has issues with metabolic syndrome and things of that sort. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so a lot of women feel like, well, as I got into my 40s and 50s, I couldn't do what I was doing in my 20s and 30s. Yeah. Yeah. 
and it has yeah. to do with that that's starting well in the beginning when, when they're in the perimenopause they don't have a big drop of estrogen but it's just this disproportionate ratio of estrogen to progesterone exactly and then as they get as they hit menopause go post menopause now all the hormones go down and so right. they're not able to burn fat and have that same metabolism let's talk about some other symptoms mm -hmm. right i know a lot of women talk about hot flashes different things like that so let's talk about some of the other symptoms yeah, so, you know, this all, all plays into what I call the perfect storm of weight gain once we reach menopause. Um, so we experience other symptoms other than just belly fat. Uh, belly fat uh, will, one of the many things that it will do, it will increase our um, insulin, our insulin resistance in mm -hmm. our body. Yeah. Insulin resistance is a very common weight loss barrier. Uh, Basically, insulin is our nutrient storing hormone. So when we eat, its job is to take those nutrients that we took from the food and put them in storage or put them in cells where they can be burned. Well, when we become insulin resistant, our cells are literally resisting insulin's actions. So uh, we end up with high blood sugar. We end up with high insulin levels. And that, you know, I said insulin is the nutrient storing hormone. Well, it only works in one direction, right? So if we're storing, we're not able to pull energy out of storage like in places like our fat cells. Um, so, so this is kind of the start of the perfect storm. Yeah. So we have this low estrogen. We've got more belly fat. We, that's contributing to insulin resistance. Insulin resistance causes weight gain, also causes mm -hmm. cravings because our cells are not seeing the nutrients, so they're asking us for more. And so that kind of loops around and gives us more belly fat. But then we have other symptoms, like you had mentioned, like uh, hot flashes, and they yeah. can interrupt sleep. Well, sleep can interrupt or can be a leading factor into insulin resistance. And if we have poor diet on top of that, if we aren't exercising like we used to when we were younger, we have more of that. We have chronic stress. So all of these things are coming back into play and creating that perfect storm of, of yeah, waking. vicious cycle. Exactly. Yeah. One thing compounding on the next mm -hmm. and high insulin also activates inflammatory gene pathways too. Yeah. Right? So it activates inflammation throughout the body. Yeah. It's not just about weight, weight yeah. gain for, for certain. Yes. Uh, inflammation is, is the underlying problem for so many chronic diseases. Yeah. And even that those fat cells too, uh, I know research has found that they're actually releasing inflammatory, inflammatory cytokines as well. So the more body fat you have, the more inflammation you're producing. And, you know, that's going to affect your, your bone health, your joint health, your brain, all these different factors. So, yeah, it's really important. And uh, I know you're an expert at helping women who, who are going through these seasons of change in particular, mm -hmm. you know, as they hit that menopause season to help reverse these kind of inflammatory conditions and help them lose weight. And so fasting is one of the tools you have in your tool belt. So how, how, do, you, how do you approach that with them? Yeah, fasting is a, a great tool for women at, at menopause uh, because it helps us to disrupt that, that, that perfect storm cycle. Uh, and one of the ways that it does that is it works with um, insulin resistance. Uh, it, intermittent fasting, as we're starting to learn more and more about it, is really a beneficial because it allows us to work with our body's natural circadian rhythm. You know, we, we have that circadian rhythm that, that kind of wakes up with the, with the dawn of the day, uh, but we also have peripheral clocks in our organs that are responding to food in, intake. And so when we start eating, 
our body is the most insulin resistant, or excuse me, the ins insulin sensitive as it will be. Uh, and so by intermittent fasting and just shortening the duration of hours that we're eating in a day, we are enabling our body to take in its nutrients at a time when it is most able to handle those and process them and put them where they need to be. So that is one way intermittent fasting helps, helps us. Um, another thing is that it simply decreases the amount of insulin that we have because there's no food coming in. Insulin's job is a nutrient store, right? So if there's no nutrients mm -hmm. there, we don't have to rely on it. And that allows us to increase insulin uh, sensitivity as well. Um, I would also say that uh, while this isn't a physiological uh, reason why intermittent fasting is so important for women at, at menopause to pay attention to, uh, it satisfies what I refer to as the three E's. Uh, and those mean that it's easy to do, it's enjoyable, and it's effective. And when we have those three E's in place, we comply, we, we stick with it. I say intermittent fasting has a stickiness factor because we, you know, someone tries it, they tend to stick with it, which is not common with, with diet changes. Um, you know, and it's, it's easy to do because there's really, you're not doing anything. Right? Yeah. So it's freeing up time. No yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, it's enjoyable because, uh, unlike diets, you can, you can practice intermittent fasting and still partake in dinner with your family or your friends who, who might not be yeah. on your diet. Um, yeah. It's certainly, certainly effective. To be devil's advocate on the enjoyable, a lot of people, if they're used to eating three, four, five meals a day and they really enjoy food, they would think, oh my gosh, I've got to give up a meal. That's not going to yeah. be enjoyable. Right. But the reality is you actually feel better as you adapt to it. It's almost like, you know, it's like an exercise high in a sense. You just feel mm -hmm. you have more energy, better mental clarity, right? Mm -hmm. You're able to be more productive and efficient. <clears throat> and just like you said, it saves time right? It saves energy that you would be yeah. normally putting into making food. And you can still eat like, you know, if you enjoy certain breakfast foods, right? Ideally healthy choices, you can still eat those at a different time. Like I never eat mm -hmm. breakfast. My, my, uh, my, you know, my wife and I, we don't, we don't eat breakfast, but we have breakfast for dinner on Sunday nights where we have yeah. eggs and chicken sausage and kale and mm -hmm. onions and we'll make yeah. keto pancakes and stuff like that. So we can still, you know, change it around and do that if you enjoy, you know, foods at a certain period of time. Right. So. Yeah. That, that I, I, I agree. And, and I agree with you that uh, of those three E's, probably the one that perks people's interest is, is enjoyable. It's like enjoyable. Well, I enjoy eating. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and, and I, t I, I, certainly get that. And I also get that we have to uh, overcome a lot of mental hurdles mm -hmm. that we, yeah. we grew up with. Uh, a lot of mantras that we have just been told over and over again, and they seem like they would be fact because we've heard them so long. Um, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Not that you have yeah. to, you know, you could have breakfast and intermittent yeah. fast later, but mm -hmm. most people choose to, to skip breakfast. Um, if I skip a meal, I'm going to lose muscle. Um, you know, eating throughout the day every few hours revs up my metabolism. So, you know, now I'm, I'm going to hurt myself. So we have to, it, it's hard to go against those mantras because, mm -hmm. you know, mom told us that, grandma told us that, you know, society, like news blips yeah. tell us that. Yeah. Um, but the reality is that the research on, on intermittent fasting uh, shows us that those things are not true. 
um, intermittent fasting for a short, for, you know, skipping a meal uh, is not going to be enough to, to break down muscle. Our bodies are very well equipped to handle periods of time without eating, and we have stored nutrients that it prefers to use, you know, um, stored glucose. We have fat that will, that it will opt to burn before it's going to burn muscle. Um, breakfast doesn't, uh, you know, our hormones are what wake us up, right? Cortisol starts rising before we even <clears throat> wake up, before the, the sun comes up. Uh, and that's what really revs us up and gets us prepared for our day. So it's hard to go against uh, those those mantras and step out and give this a try. And there's a lot of fears there, which I understand. Yeah, absolutely. And so let's say somebody's ready to get started with intermittent fasting. Okay. They're, they're used to eating, you know, oatmeal for breakfast. Um, let's say a big chicken salad for lunch and meat, potatoes, and vegetables for dinner. Right. And that's their normal cycle. And they're like, you know what, I'm going to try intermittent fasting. Um, and I think I'm going to try missing breakfast. Okay. Mm -hmm. What, um, what should they experience in the beginning and then as they go forward with that? Yes, I actually, uh, I have a, a forum where I have members and I actually posed that question to them not too long ago to, to get kind of their feel of how they felt about intermittent fasting uh, initially and then how they felt after they kind of became pros and, and understood it a, a little bit better. And it was interesting. Uh, a lot, there was a lot of uh, split, split ideas, you know, some were very, had a lot of trepidation about getting started and uh, would I be able to do this? Am I going to starve and, and things like that? And then others were gung-ho to go into it. Um, I find that when, when you, you start, um, you could still have three meals in a, in a day, just tighten up your eating window. And I think that's a, a, a more comforting way if you have any trepidation about trying it. So I recommend that people start with what I call the easy method, which is 12-12 intermittent fasting, literally means split your day in, into two. So you have 12 hours where you're consuming all of your calories and you have 12 hours where you're not. Uh, one of the easiest ways to, for, that I feel to get yourself comfortable with intermittent fasting is to eat in a way that stabilizes your blood sugar. And that has so much to do with your food choices. Hmm. We have, um, you know, we have different nutrients in, in the foods that we eat and they affect our blood sugar differently. And so we have sugar and refined carbs at, at this end. When we eat those, they cause a spike and insulin comes in and, and rushes that into our cells, but then we, we dip down. And, and if we're eating a lot of refined carbohydrates, and these would be like muffins for breakfast or waffles or pancakes mm -hmm. or, you know, those types of yeah. things, uh, uh, even like a burger bun, pasta, these mm -hmm. types of things that are going to break down very quickly. If that's the mainstay of our diet, we're making intermittent fasting much harder for ourselves than we, yeah. than we have to. Um, because when we, when we spike up and then we dip, that dip is that time where everyone's experienced that like insatiable hunger. It's like, oh my goodness, yeah. I have to get something to eat. You know, it's our body warning us that, you know, we're low here. We need to get some nutrients and celery's not going to do it. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it's looking for a tussie roll or something like that, right? Something yeah, quick and easy. Feeling hangry, right? Where you're exactly. kind of irritable and hungry. Yeah, that reactive hypoglycemia that takes place. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and, and getting away from them, you know, they're, they're two. These are, you know, these are, are scary things to, to 
be facing if mm. if you've had a, a struggles throughout life with losing weight and things like that, um, shortening the amount of hours that you're eating, uh, getting rid of refined carbs and, and what I call zero sugar. Uh, I have a very simple um, strategy I call zero one, two, three strategy. It's mm. just four daily habits that when you do them, they uh, really enhance your ability to do intermittent fasting. And in fact, the three has to do with that. So it's, it's, uh, it stands for zero sugar, one large salad, two cups of cooked non-starchy vegetables and three hours before bed, stop eating. Mm. Um, so zero sugar. Um, a lot of times when you start to say that, that's, the walls go up in, in front of people and they're like, oh, don't take my sugar away, you know, and, and <laughs> it's because it is an, a, a, an addictive yeah. substance. There's no shame in wanting, wanting sugar. One of my favorite sayings is I was a terrible sugaraholic and I have the cavities to prove it. Yeah, you know, I was I was hooked on sugar from first thing and first thought in the morning till the till the end of the day. So I totally understand that. But um, what the zero one two three strategy does for you is it helps you to add volume to your diet as you're subtracting the, the mm. sugar. And yeah. of course, that salad and the vegetable you can have healthy whole fats added there. Uh, and proteins, you know, nuts and seeds, avocado slices are great to yeah. keep hunger under control, keep your blood sugar stable. So the whole concept is to keep your blood sugar stable so that you're not dipping into that insatiable hunger and those and those cravings. Yeah, that makes sense. So you, obviously you're, you're focusing on trying to keep your blood sugar stable so you're not getting these ups and downs. Mm -hmm. And you start them with 12 hours, which is really a lot easier than what most people think. It's like, you know, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. If you wake up at 6 a.m. every morning and you finish mm -hmm. dinner at 7, let's say, but you got to get up at 6, right? If you just drink water, you know, drink 8 to 16 ounces of water in the morning, you won't even feel hungry until yeah. at least 7. So it allows yeah. you to kind of push that eating window mm -hmm. and tighten that up pretty good. Yeah. Um, and then where, where does somebody go from there? Then you can then you can just simply add an extra hour at a time mm -hmm. or however you want uh, to your fasting window. Uh, so you can extend that to 13 hours and 14 hours yeah. if you want to just go step by step. 16-8 is uh, become kind of the uh, accepted and often studied way of performing intermittent fasting. Yeah. So that which would be means, 16 hours fasting. Yeah eight hour eating window, like 10 AM to six or something like that. Yep. Yep. And somebody could actually eat three meals if they wanted to in that eight hour window. They could certainly. Yes. Or you could have two meals and a snack or things of exactly. that sort. Um, yeah. the, the challenge that a lot of people will have and, uh, but yet an important part of success with intermittent fasting is the not eating late at night. Yeah. Uh, and you know, with the zero, one, two, three, that was the three, three hours before mm -hmm. bed, stop eating. That not only helps with your metabolism, it's also going to help you sleep better because you're not going yeah. to be putting uh, energy into your core, which is creating heat and keeping you from sleeping. Um, and, and those, you know, that is a, a challenging time for anyone, but it's, it's all, it's important. Um, one thing that I talk about with, with women is uh, using something I call stoppers. Uh, it's simply a food, drink, or activity that will separate you from the act of eating after dinner mm. so that you can your, your brain has time to register that you're full and uh, you, know, you can move away from that. Because you know, we have this primal thing in our, in our bodies that we... Uh, um, we we just want to keep eating 
once we start. I think that was probably because we didn't used to have you know 24 seven convenience stores. We had to eat when the food was available. Um, but we can't do that in, in today's society. So we have to have a strategy for, for stopping. Um, I find that um, you know, just putting a piece of sugar-free gum by your, by your dinner plate and put, popping that in you know, almost unconsciously right after you're done, it will change the taste in your mouth. Hmm. If you don't want to use gum, you can brush your teeth, floss your teeth. Yeah. Um, you can... Um, you know, you know, any, anything like that, that's going to change the taste in your mouth or give you time, uh, a cup of hot tea that has to be sipped. will give you that, give you that time to separate. And then you can, you know, because you want to start that fasting window at least three hours before bedtime. Yeah, absolutely. And I think eating late at night, it can definitely be addictive, right? So a lot of people get into this cycle where that's just kind of what they do. And oftentimes, oftentimes it's related to poor sleep habits, right? And it kind of compound on themselves. And also a lot of times there's a lot of emotional issues that are just not being dealt with that, you know, in a sense we can use, we can easily use food to kind of drown out, you know, going deeper and, um, and addressing certain, certain emotional issues too. So yeah. I think it's a really good idea to have those stoppers and kind of create mm -hmm. a ritual around this idea of, okay, I'm finished eating for the day. Now my yes. fasting is going to start at this point. So yeah, I think that's really, really helpful. And, um, <clears throat> you know, if some, let, let's say, you know, you've got somebody that um, possibly works late at night, mm -hmm. all right? How should they kind of tailor their window? Let's say they work, you know, I don't know, three to 11 p.m. or four to 12 or something along those lines. Because mm -hmm. um, a lot of times they're working and then they get home and then they're like, I just want to eat something and go to sleep, right? So mm -hmm. what, what could they do? Yeah, it's a challenge. Yeah. Uh, shift work is is a, a challenge and uh, it's certainly been shown that it's a challenge for your metabolism to work yeah. in strange hours like that but there is dr sachin panda who is kind of a uh, a leader mm -hmm. in time restricted eating which is what we're basically talking about restricting the number of hours that you eat uh, had done some work with with this and had discussed this uh, like night shift work and he found that despite working the crazy hours, shrinking down the number of hours that you are eating is still going to give you some benefits. Uh, now, three hours before bed, st stop eating. Well, you might have to get creative uh, and it might just not work out for you ex exactly. Um, I would try to work toward that. Uh, you might need to have a larger lunch and then yeah. have a small dinner at work that can tide you over, yeah. that can be effective. Yeah, absolutely. Or for those people, they, they may try eating breakfast and lunch and then fasting through dinner and just, you know, mm -hmm. hydrating well um, in the evening and, and seeing how they feel, seeing how they respond with that. And I think, you know, it's, it's, we're very used to, you know, this, this kind of idea. Oftentimes eating can be just, uh, you know, like a break for us in a sense, mm -hmm. right? So I think it's kind of, kind of repatterning. And what I always find is, it usually takes roughly three to maybe up to seven days to kind of break out of a certain habit. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of people are like, I'm so used to eating breakfast. Usually yeah. for me, I've seen people after about three, five days, maybe for some about a week of mm -hmm. missing that, they no longer are hungry in the morning, right? Mm -hmm. They kind of reset some of those hunger hormones like ghrelin, um, yeah. you know, and it kind of the same thing with dinner too. Like I, I never thought I could fast through dinner. I always thought, well, I have to eat a good dinner before I, yeah. I go to sleep. And now it's like I do it 
two days a week. I, I don't eat dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, I just eat lunch and that's it for the, for the day. And I feel good. I actually sleep better. My heart rate variability is better. Um, you know, I feel amazing. Right. So mm-hmm. a lot of these things can be adapted to, uh, mm-hmm. which, which can help. Now, um, I think one thing that's important we need to discuss is when, because a lot of times we can get a little bit overemphasize the fasting. We, we see the, the healing, the healing uh, uh, potential of fasting. And oftentimes we can start going down that route. But how important is eating really good quality foods and even feasting when you are eating in your eating window? Well, the, the, the quality of foods is, is absolutely key because if you're eating junk food, I think you're going to have a really hard time losing weight for, for one thing, if that's your goal, or getting the health benefits from it, uh, but, but also just sticking with it because you are so up and down on your, on your blood sugar. Um, so yeah, whole, whole foods, uh, what, I, what I like to look at are all, are all of the aspects. So healthy fats, I think we did ourselves a, a disservice by being so anti-fat yeah. for so long. Yeah. Uh, there's, a, there's certainly unhealthy fats. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are certainly healthy whole fats and those foods will help to, um, satiate you, keep you, yeah. keep you feeling full for a long time. They, they leave your system very slowly. It's going to, it's not going to have a big bump or a change on your blood sugar. They're, they're wonderful for intermittent fasting. Uh, so what are we talking about with that? So whole, whole, um, fats are, plants and animals. So mm-hmm. we have plant world, we have nuts, seeds, avocados. Yeah. Uh, in the um, animal world, we have meats, fish, chicken. Well, chicken's not a real high fat, but uh, we have Water. different, yeah. yeah, we have different oils and fats that we can add to vegetables. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the fat's great, a great thing to add to vegetables. It oh, yeah. helps us to absorb the, the fat-soluble vitamins and minerals in there. Um, with proteins, we, you know, we can just get a moderate amount of protein to get a sufficient amount in our bodies. Carbohydrates are, are run the gamut, right? So we have, you know, on, on one end, we've got the sugary treats. And then on the other end, we've got the non-starchy vegetables. So we want to go eat as much mm-hmm. from this, this end, this non-starchy vegetable. But, but yes, those whole foods and um, intermittent fasting, it's, it's, not, uh, it's not a home run just out of the park. Oh, if I just don't eat, I'll... I'll lose weight. Well, it might be might be possible. However, you have to work with your body. Your body does need some some nutrients uh, so that it can you know go for a long time. So um, diet is definitely important. Yeah, absolutely. I always tell people it's not really about eating less, you know, a lower amount of food. It's about eating less often, right? And mm-hmm. so eat till you're satiated. When you do eat, just don't eat you know, for this long extended period and try to cut it down to, you know, three meals max, one to two meals, you know, if you're able to do that. Um, and when you do eat, when you eat, you know, if you're eating two meals, eat really well, eat till you're really satiated. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you have, if you have gastrointestinal issues, burping, belching, uh, you know, you're feeling, uh, in, you've got indigestion, you're feeling cramping, things like that. You may have eat, overeaten, right? However, you know, if, if you're not noticing that, then uh, you probably haven't overeaten. Your body's digesting and assimilating it, and mm-hmm. that's going to help you feel satiated. Eating really, really well there. Yeah. So, um, so one other thing is, uh, you know, you've been you really live this lifestyle. So I want to know what does your day to day lifestyle look like? Like, what are you doing from the morning you wake up? You know, what do your meals look like? 
Um, what are you doing to, to kind of get your mind ready for the day? What does your fitness look like? I think our, our listeners would really love to know from an expert like you, Dr. Becky, yeah. on how you go about your day-to-day routine. Yeah, well, uh, so I get up uh, between 6, 6.15 in the morning. My husband and I come down and have coffee and sit and uh, oftentimes watch educational videos <laughs> on yeah. that. Uh, from different now is that uh, black coffee or is that like coffee with butter or something i drink black coffee, black coffee. Uh, and my husband usually does in the morning and then he'll he'll put cream in and later he tries to keep yeah. black coffee during the most of his fasting period yeah. um i've i i started drinking coffee because i was in college and i wanted to i wanted the caffeine benefits so i just drank yeah. it black and i've kind of it's just what I've gotten used to. I never really was much for cream. I, not that I'm opposed to it, but yeah. And the research actually shows that caffeine, coffee, caffeine in general, and coffee can enhance autophagy and enhance yeah. the benefits of fasting. I always tell people, if you drink coffee and then you notice you have more cravings a few hours after, you're probably not responding well because there are some people that are poor caffeine metabolizers, or maybe they've mm-hmm. got a, a food sensitivity to it. But ca- if you drink coffee, you really should feel great, right? And if you yeah. feel great, there's nothing wrong with it. Uh, coffee, so uh, coffee has a lot of health benefits. Yeah, yep. uh, it, it can if we drink it too late. It's got a long uh, half life. It's like six yeah. hour half life. So you know, six hours after you drink it, the half of it, the caffeine's still in your system. So if you're drinking it until four o'clock in the evening, you you're you know possibly getting some sleep issues. Some people will be sensitive to it uh, and get jittery and things of that sort. But yeah, it it has a lot of antioxidants, yeah. which which are beneficial to our our cell health. Uh, autophagy, it, it does help. Now, I, I think uh, I think the only ones I've ever seen were on animals uh, studies, yeah. and I'm not totally sure on that. Okay, um, yeah. but uh, but still, uh, it's promising. You know, autophagy is is our our body's self cleaning system. So it you know it's it's our way of uh, getting in there and, and repurposing cells, getting rid of damaged cells, recycling some to make new proteins and things of that sort. So uh, so definitely benefits to coffee. But yeah, so I drink. I'm I'm a, definitely a coffee drinker, and I'll drink it throughout the throughout the morning, but I'm, I'm not eating yet. Um, I will exercise most days of the week and on a fasted stomach. And, uh, I will do things like I do weight training on Mondays, Wednesdays, and, and Fridays. So I'm lifting either upper body or lower body on alternate days. And, uh, in between there, I do some type of aerobic. Sometimes I'll do high intensity interval training. If I'm really on a, a program and sometimes I'll just I'll just walk just to get some uh, movement and exercise in there to combat all the sitting that I do during the day uh, and then I will break my fast anywhere uh, I will s- switch it up so I really do listen to my body uh, I will always intermittent fast for a minimum of uh, 13 hours yeah. but there's and a lot of times I'll just go right to to lunch so I might finish eating the night before at 7 7:30 and I'll have a large salad my my one of my strategy um I have a salad every every day 95% of the time but it's you know which people might say well that sounds boring well it's not boring if you know how to make a salad right yeah. and you put good healthy fats on it and it's very I look forward to it every day so that's usually what breaks my fast and um then from there, uh, I rarely feel a need to have a snack in the afternoon. But if I do, raw almonds are a lot of times the, the go-to for me. Um, I will also use full-fat yogurt and blueberries uh, as either a snack in the afternoon or if I have breakfast that day, I will have, have mm. that. So yeah. there's a lot of times I'll do 
two meals and a snack and or three meals, you know, just con in a condensed period of time. So your then, typical fasting window is what, like a 16-8 are you usually doing? Or? It's it's anywhere. I'm I'm on maintenance, so I, I don't I'm not really like looking to lose weight. Yeah. Uh, so I really at this for for me personally, I look at it as just a way of helping me to easily maintain my weight. And so I will fluctuate, and I listen to my body. So it's it's if yeah. if I'm feeling like you know it's 10 o'clock, I want to eat something, and it's only been 13 hours since I ate last. I don't, I don't uh, stress over that. I'm, I just go ahead and maybe have yogurt or something of that sort. Yeah. Um, if I am really busy and working on my computer and, and working on a project or something like that, honestly, I won't even think about it. And my dog usually is, is the conditioned one who decides that it's lunchtime and, and then it perks my mind up to, to go eat. So that would be, I would say my typical fasting is 13 hours to 16 hours. Okay, yep. So you're really listening to your body and just being intuitive about mm -hmm. when you're starting out that eating window. Yeah, I yeah. do. Now, if you're if you're just getting started and depending on how much you want to change your diet, um, if you're really not that interested in changing your diet, um, you're just looking to try intermittent fasting, I would say that you're probably going to be happiest with your results if you are being more consistent on a daily basis. Uh, if you're really working it with dietary changes and you're eating whole foods and staying away from the refined carbs, I think you can play with it a little bit more. So you might want to do 16-8 intermittent fasting five days a week and then, you know, on the weekend have, th have three meals. You can do that. You have the freedom of that with intermittent yep. fasting if your diet is, is, is good. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't always have to be exactly the same eating window, fasting window. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, what I found is that, you know, men and women that are overweight tends to be a lot easier in a sense to fast. Um, and then women that are especially very lean women, if they're doing too tight an eating window for too long, too many consecutive days, not everybody, some, some do great with it, but some women can really have more stress, trouble sleeping, um, mm -hmm. fatigue, right? Hair loss, mm -hmm. different issues like mm -hmm. that. And so kind of uh, varying it a little bit, adding a little bit more feasting um, or even doing like uh, every other day doing an intermittent fast or even crescendo fasting where you're doing it two days a week, like a non-consecutive days, like a Monday, Thursday or something mm -hmm. like that uh, can tend to work better. So I think different, different body types are going to respond a little bit differently. I, I agree. And uh, there's a lot of variations in the way that you can do intermittent fasting. The only one we've really touched on is is the time restricted eating, ten, you know, uh, restricting the number of hours in a day, but you can do um, alternate day fasting. My husband and I uh, went through an experiment with that and, and yeah. found that it was, it was very doable, um, a modified mm -hmm. alternate day fast, I should, I should specify. And what that meant was that every other day you were still consuming calories, but much fewer than on the other day. So like less than 500. Yeah, a fasting day, they typically typically go around 500. They technically, I guess, would like you to go about 25% of your normal, yeah. um, but they kind of just zero that in for five, 600 calories for right. females and males. So um, it's a lot easier for people just to kind of go go with that and then eat normally on on the alternate days. And, and that is, 
you know, what it comes down to with intermittent fasting and your comfort level is your comfort level. What, what, what is your lifestyle like? Does that work for you? Then that's great to do alternate day fasting like that. Uh, or is it better for you to skip breakfast because you have work meetings and things like that and it just fits your, your lifestyle? But these are trial and error and trial and error is very important with intermittent fasting because everyone finds their own kind of groove that works for them. Yeah, you're so right about that. I think this is something you just got to get started with and you start to, you know, in a sense, fasting really helps you listen to your body better too. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really important intelligence to build. Um, it's, mm -hmm. it's really like a skill that you're, you're developing where you're listening to your body and how your body's responding to different things. And um, I mean, I've been intermittent fasting since 2005 and I really, it really, I mean, honestly, there wasn't much research on it back then and whatnot. Yeah. I just found that it really helped me. Uh, yeah. I used to have irritable bowel and it really helped me mm -hmm. with that. It helped me actually maintain muscle mass, uh, believe yeah. it or not. But I actually found my ideal, it took me like 12 years. It wasn't until like 2018 until I really found exactly the fasting strategy that seems to work best for me. Mm -hmm. What I do five days a week, I eat two meals um, and usually in like a six hour window. Yeah. And then two days a week, I just eat one meal. Now, when I'm eating meals, I eat a lot, right? I eat very yeah. large meals. Um, and so they're, they're, you know, I'm, I'm consuming a lot of calories in those meals, but I find that I just, my energy's better, my muscle tissue, I'm stronger. I recover mm -hmm. from my exercise better. My brain feels, you know, just feels fully alive, uh, on a schedule like that. But again, it took me over 10 years of experimenting with it before mm -hmm. I, before I was able to find that. So yeah. I think with, I think with all the Facebook groups and all the, the summits like this and <clears throat> people like you on YouTube, there's more information out and people can shorten that window before they find what works best for them. But if you just get going with this, after a few months, I think you'll, you'll really start to identify where you're seeing the best results, right? And you got to listen to your body and your energy. Mm -hmm. um, it's not just about weight loss. Like you talked about, I mean, you can be very lean, thin people like me, I'm, you know, 8% body fat. Um, you can be lean and really get great benefits. I do it for energy. I do it for mental clarity, mm -hmm. right? And um, you just got to experiment with it. Anything to add to that? Yeah, well, just the fact that uh, you had mentioned, uh, you know, being in a group and the, the, the strength of community. And, and it is wonderful that intermittent fasting has been so embraced by many different healthy diets. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't matter what diet core that you follow, you'll find that proponents of that uh, utilize intermittent fasting. So it has been one of those things that that ties, um, ties us all together and we can pretty much all agree on that there are, there are benefits. But the, the strength of community and knowing, especially for women over the age of 50, when we, we think that we have all of these um, preconceived notions of you know, how we're supposed to eat that have been got, become so ingrained in us, knowing that other women are, are doing this. You know, in, in, in the forum that I, that I participate in, a lot in my program. Um, a lot of those women are over 60, over 70, doing intermittent fasting on a regular basis and having no no problems. Um, now, of course, if you're you know if you're on medication or if you're you know you have a condition that is affected by your blood sugar, you know you do have to be smart about it before you start that. But if you are a generally healthy person, regardless of your age, you can find the benefits of intermittent fasting. You just have to ease yourself in, see that you can do it, 
and feel good and then just close that window a little bit more and a little bit more and, and you'll start to see the benefits. Well, that's great. And Dr. Becky, this has been such a great interview. You've, you've uh, just given us so many great action points, action steps, and insight on intermittent fasting. And uh, any last words of inspiration? And where can people find out more about you and, uh, and also the program and the community support that you provide? Um, yeah, just, uh, just the fact that uh, I, I think despite being over 50, uh, there's intermittent fasting has been found to be safe to do if you're in generally good health and you can give it a, give it a try. Um, just shorten up your eating window and I think you'll, you'll do fine. Uh, if you're looking for a place to, to start with getting whole foods back into your diet and get rid of the sugar, which is going to help stabilize your, your blood sugar, uh, they can get my 0123 strategy for free over on my website, which is drbeckyfitness.com. Uh, they can find me on YouTube which by just searching YouTube for Dr. Becky Fitness, I'm sure I'll, I'm sure I'll come up and same with social media. So those would be the avenues that people could find me. Well, there you have it, guys. It's Dr. Becky Fitness. Definitely check her out. YouTube, she's got a lot of great content on there. So um, definitely check that out. And I want to leave the listeners with this one last thought. Your body is an incredible self-healing organism. And, you know, fasting really has the ability to unlock your dormant healing potential. No matter what you're struggling with, the, the healing power is there. We just need to unlock it and remove the interference. And fasting has an amazing ability to do that. And it's safe, it's powerful, and it just might transform your life. So start applying the principles that we talked about today. And I believe that you'll see amazing results. We'll see you on a future interview. Be blessed, everybody. Well, that's all for this show. And I want to thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today. And if there was something you heard in this interview that you have questions on or you want to dive into deeper, then drjockers.com is the best place to go. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider taking just a quick moment and giving us a great review. Your reviews help us influence more people and transform more lives. And if you took something valuable away from this episode, then please share it with someone in your life you know it can help. We'll see you soon on a future podcast. Be blessed, everybody.